You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. So, what is prayer? I want to say today that prayer is perhaps one of the most essential things of Christian life. And I think it's very interesting that Jesus, when he was teaching about many things, he didn't actually teach you necessarily the nuts and bolts of prayer. There's almost an assumption that we pray. And I think that kind of tells us that you don't need to necessarily be taught prayer, even though Jesus does teach us the Lord's Prayer, and I'll mention that in a minute. But there is something just about the fundamental act of prayer that is so ingrained in all of us that sometimes I think we overthink it. We're like, what is prayer? Like, what is the essence of it? Like, what's the manual for it? And I think it's actually as natural as breathing. And that's where I want to start today. I do believe that all of us are created to pray. And so it's not so much saying like, oh, there's prayer for some people and there's prayer for other people. It's like, we're all made to pray, but do we actually enter fully into that space or not? And this is where I want to start today. Uh, before I get into that, I want to share a bit about my own personal context with prayer and how it shaped me. And as some of you know that I grew up as a son of a, of a Korean pastor and the Presbyterian tradition. And a lot of Korean churches have a very strong emphasis on prayer. And I think it's something that I'm very grateful for and I'm very indebted to. But here are some things that I kind of picked up as I was getting older, um, you know, from my childhood, was that prayer is a very um, important and uh, essential discipline. Now, discipline is a, a great thing, and I do believe prayer is a discipline. But it was a discipline to almost a sense that you, it was a discipline that you had, it was like a tool. Many people who would pray a lot would be called prayer warriors. And why they'd say they're called prayer warriors is because they would just pray so fiercely and so strongly, they felt like they had such spiritual authority. And I think there is some warrant to that. But some of the tricky things that happen as a result of that kind of understanding is that we begin to have assessments of how strong or effective someone is in prayer. And there was a whole tradition for me growing up, where um, Koreans would wake up super early in the morning. They wake up at six in the morning, and then often there would be these kind of uh, secret piety battles where I'd see like one pastor saying, oh yeah, uh, you know, our prayer service is at six in the morning and we pray every day. And the other pastor would say, oh, we pray at 5.30. And then another pastor would be like, oh, we pray at five o'clock and we have an evening prayer service. And so it would always be this, uh, one-upping each other. There's always this level of upping. And um, as, a, as a child whose dad who went from parish ministry into something called a prayer house ministry, where our house was completely dedicated to prayer, where people could come in 24-7, uh, come into our refurbished basement to pray, you know, prayer was an important thing. And definitely when I was staying there, my parents would wake me up early in the morning so that we could have service together every day. And we would pray and I'll be honest, I was very tired. I would fall asleep very often. Um, I was so relieved when it was prayer time because I'd just put my head down and then I'd be falling asleep again. And I remember growing up, I'd feel a lot of guilt about prayer. And people would say, how is your prayer life? And I'd be like, well, I'm not, I'm not praying for the things I should be. I could do better. Um, it felt a lot like when people are asking you, how's, you know, how's your exercise life, right? Like, oh, well, I could always exercise better. I could eat better. I could do better. And that often comes into prayer. For me, it was like when people asked me about my prayer life, I'd be thinking, first of all, I was like, what am I doing? What am I praying for? 
And in fact, I've also been in many prayer circles or prayer meetings where the first thing that we do is when we gather, we ask for prayer requests and we would ask for things to, uh, what should we pray for? What should we do? And I, I think those things are wonderful. And I know that we have a group of people that are constantly praying at JBC and I think it's important. But what I found when I became in prayer meetings, as I began to pray more and more, I realized the first thing that we need to do when we pray is not to pull out our lists our prayer list, our prayer requests, and come to God with our demands, but to pull back and to listen to God. And then as I began to listen, I began to become more sensitive to what was God on God's heart. And then I became more prepared to pray for things because I was no longer looking for prayer requests. It became very easy for me to begin to pray for other things because um, I was discovering what was really important to God. And I'm going to talk about that more next week. But I want to start first with the listening part. In verse 5, we read that God doesn't come near to us because of the impressiveness of our speech. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. I'm sure many of them were boasting of how beautiful and eloquent their prayers were, um, how articulate they were in prayer. And I know many people don't want to pray because they feel like, well, I can't pray very well. But Jesus was warning very much against this kind of spirit of like prayer is not about performance. Prayer is not about public display. Prayer is about coming close to your heavenly father. Prayer is about relationship. Don't fall into the trap of making prayer something that is solely for the sake of others. I will talk about intercession and praying for others next week, but it's a very different quality. Prayer is about taking time out to be yourself before God. And that's why God, Jesus talks about a secret place, a secret place where you can be completely yourself, where you're not influenced by thinking about what others think of you or how you should be or how religious you are or how pious you are. But coming into that secret place and saying, God, here I am, let's meet. Many people want to come closer to God, but they treat it like a program or a structure. You know, what are the steps to prayer? But I think a lot of prayer, if there's any structure to it, it's about just the consistent practice of saying, I need to stop and be with God. There's one story in the Bible that I appreciate very much. And to my surprise, uh, Eden loves this story too. She loves hearing about this story. And it's a story about Samuel. We read in 1, chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 that Samuel is being raised by Eli in the house of God. And one night, Samuel is trying to sleep. And then he hears a voice speaking to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he gets up and he thinks immediately that it must be Eli. And he goes to Eli and says, did you call me? And Eli's like, no, it's not me. And then after a couple of times that this happens, Eli realizes what's going on. Eli says to Samuel that, oh, actually God is calling you. So next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And this is a great example of that we are all capable of spending time to listen to God. People have asked, like, well, how do you listen to God? It's not a question of like, can you listen to God? It's more that we don't listen to God because there are so many other competing voices. And sometimes we mistake God's voice 
for the other voices around us. Just like Samuel heard God without any instruction of how to do it. And he thought immediately, oh, this must be Eli. With my daughter Eden, I think about all these things. I'm like, well, how will I teach her how to speak or speak languages? And as some of you might know, she's going to uh, Megumi Preschool. And she's learning Japanese. And to my surprise, like, we can have conversations in Japanese. And then very quickly, we can have conversations in English. She wants to learn about Korean. And I realized I didn't really teach her any of this. It's just that language is something that we do as people. But the, the act of discovering, well, when someone is speaking in a certain way, which language is it? How should I be responding to it? These are things that can be taught. But the actual act of listening, responding, and learning can be done by anyone. And just with any relationship, it just takes time and consistency. To take the time to stop and say, wait a minute, God, is this a voice from you or is this a voice from somewhere else? Do we have a time in our life where we stop to assess the different things that are speaking into our life? Discovering that some voices that speak into our life are not healthy. Some give life, some don't. What are circumstances that are speaking to you? Are some of them speaking from the heart of God and some of them not? And this is a lot of how the Bible helps us, that as we read the word more, we begin to discover these are the ways that God moves and these are the ways that God does not move. And then as we begin to hear these voices in our life, we can begin to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. There are times where I have conversations with someone and I walk away feeling so discouraged and so bitter in my spirit. I realize like, you know, I don't think this was from the Holy Spirit. I don't think this was from God. It's very important for me to not listen to these things, quote unquote. But I've also had some very casual conversations and I feel something in me is like, I think God is speaking here. An interesting example is I remember having a, a Zoom chat with Gordon and Leanne Huang and they were talking about, well, we're back in the US and we'd like to serve somehow. And then just as we began to talk, we had this idea about wouldn't it be great to have some kind of uh, ministry where we can reach out to members of our congregation who have difficulty accessing technology so that they can get connected to services, to Bible studies and such. And I realized that um, Gordon with his technical skills and Leanne with her just history with church members, it was just a perfect fit. And the more we talked about it, I realized and I remember saying to them, I think God is speaking here or something. I think we're onto something. And it's interesting, these many months later, we have all these wonderful testimonies of how the Huang family has been able to help connect others with technology in this amazing way. And I'm so thankful that God just uh, sent the Huang family back to us at this key time where we really needed this ministry. And those things don't happen unless we stop and say, oh, you know what? I think God is talking here. I think God is speaking something to us. It's really hard for us to discern when God is speaking and when the world is speaking to us if we don't have that secret place where we shut down the distractions and we say, God, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Sometimes we don't pray or we don't pray honestly. And we don't listen because we're so worried about how others will perceive us if we're good Christians or if we're not good Christians. And that's why it's so important for us to have a secret place. 
It's also good to have a secret place where you feel like, you know, God, I feel like this is what you're speaking. Is this what you're really speaking? Could you just confirm that to me? I'm not really sure. It's good to have these honest questions. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Do we have that space where we come in to pray first, not with the answers, but we pray with just sincere openness? I think a lot of the secret place, it doesn't have to be crying and shouting and early morning prayers, which I think are very valuable in some ways. But a good place to start with prayers is to say, speak, Lord, I'm here, I'm listening. Prayer is about receiving and listening in a secret place. And then watch what happens that, as, that, as that unfolds. I've had many prayers where I just encourage people, let's just begin to sing songs of worship. Let's just begin to remember the testimonies of what God has done in our life. Let's remember the greatness of God. And just as we do, just as we remember God's presence in our life, who God is, it's interesting how I can't seem to just stay there. Then I begin to pray for things. And isn't it interesting that the one model of teaching that Jesus gives for us about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, which is the famous Lord's Prayer, is exactly that kind of structure. We start off saying, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. And the whole point of the Lord's Prayer is to start with remembering who God is, how amazing God is, who we are in relation to God. And then we begin to ask for God to change our will so that our will agrees with God. We begin to ask God to change our complaining hearts so that we can trust that we have enough for today. We begin to ask God to change our hearts so that we can forgive others just as God has forgiven us. And then we ask God to change our desires so that we don't follow the ways and temptations of the world, but we follow God's heart. You see, this might be a different way of thinking of it, but when we pray, we're not praying to just get what we want. We are praying that we can hear how God is changing our lives, how God is present. When we pray, we are asking that whatever God wills would be our will. Just like how God wills something in heaven, let it be when God wills something in my life on earth, it happens. A lot of prayer is about stopping to listen first. This is an intimate act. If I can say the first thing that we need to do in prayer, it's not about doing this or doing that. It's about just taking the time to be with God, to be intimate with God. Perhaps we could have a practice throughout our day where we can just stop and say, God, here I am. I'm open to you. You know, it's interesting. Um, I know that uh, a lot of these smartwatches nowadays, they have this program where they tell people, like, after a certain amount of time, you should stand up, you know, and it just interrupts your day for a moment. And the reason why is because sometimes we get so focused on something, we just can't uh, break away. So if we could just stand up for a second. And then interestingly, smartwatch apps also are now starting to do another thing called a breathe app, where it says not just stand, but also take a deep breath for a moment. 
And studies have shown that just doing these very simple acts of just interrupting yourself gently with standing up and breathing can uh, deeply add to the fullness of your life and the wholeness of your life and the health. And it's interesting is that just this moment to stop, change your posture and breathe in is very much the act of prayer. If we could maybe begin to think that perhaps this is the start of prayer, just stop what you're doing for a moment. Take a deep breath and say, God, speak, I'm listening. If we could just begin to have this rhythm in our life, we begin to realign ourselves to a full relationship with God. And then as we do that, I do believe that God will begin to put on your heart in these moments of pause, something that just gets put on your heart. Certain issues in our community, certain issues about justice, certain issues about your family, your job, all of these things will begin to just come forward. And I like to tell people, when you begin to have proddings and leanings and convictions that come out of those times, I trust those a lot more than when you're living a life constantly um, uh, under the attack of all of these different responsibilities and pressures and burdens on your life. Because when people pray in that kind of circumstance, I don't think you're so much praying in the spirit. It's more like you're just praying out of fear, anxiety, or your own worldliness. Could you have a rhythm throughout this week where you don't have... You don't have to do a lot. You don't have to um, really break yourself and, uh, and uh, hurt yourself in trying to be pious. But if you could have this moment of this holy rhythm where you stop to pause and say, God, here I am. I'm listening. Speak. And then see what happens. See where the prayers take you. And be faithful to where it takes you. Don't just start the journey and jump off. But be faithful to follow it through. And, I'm gonna, and I believe that as we take that moment, to have that intimate time with God, it leads us to a place of intercession, which I believe is beginning to pray for others, to begin to pray for the world around us, and to not just pray for it, but to be a prayer for others. And that's the work of intercession. And I'm going to talk about that next week. But for this week, if I could just encourage us all, especially in this time of the pandemic, where all these markers of time are lost. Time is so strange and fuzzy. We don't have a typical work day. We don't have the typical commute anymore. We don't have uh, a standard delineation from the weekday and the weekend. It all kind of blends blurrily into each other. Perhaps we can recover a sense of time if we had a rhythm of pausing and saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let's all just gather in together and remember that God is calling us to also spend time on our own, to be in the secret place, to not be afraid of how we're perceived or if we're good Christians or not, but to just spend time and say, God, here I am. Speak, your servant is listening. May God deeply enrich your prayer life in these days to come. Amen.